0: I'm just just really thankful to to be here tonight. Um, And I would just ask you guys to just just relax. I know basically the spirit of the Lord is always here. And and from 10 years ago, from when I I started coming and praying here and worshiping God here, I just remember feeling that it was a safe place to just open your heart to God. Um, And so I'm just, for those reasons, and for reasons of seeing friends and family, um, friends who are family just uh, being here. Um, two months ago, we, my wife and I sat in the church and we learned the, the uh, new transition was coming um, at Trinity. And and we, and I just remember sitting there thinking I would love to offer help to Phil at, at Youth Group. Um, and that was it. And I thought, I, why not offer help at Tabernacle and, or church? And, and it was because it's such a reverent uh, place and it's such a holy place in my memory and my life that that I can't even begin to to really share um, why I would not have offered my help immediately. And maybe some of you feel the same way about different pastors and people here and, and about God's presence here. Um, but inevitably, the thought started to come: What would I? What would I begin to share about here? And and. Uh, what would I share? Would I share about how Calvin called me time after time when my drinking buddies and smoking buddies wanted me to go get stoned out of my mind? And Calvin said, "Why don't you come?" Would I share about that? Would I share about Alan Hurl telling me just just boast in Jesus? Alan Hurl. Would I share about Peter Tolson or or Phil Hackinson or Phil Beatty or Gerald? or any of the wisdom Gerald has in, in the Bible. He does, it's funny, but he does. Um, and that's, that's kind of where I have to just honestly tell you, I'm, I'll be honest and I have to sit down because the thing that the Lord told me to speak about was the f- earlier memory I have about Trinity Covenant Church and it was a memory when I was running and, and it was pitch black at night. And it was a fall night, so it's similar time of year. Um, Very few people, if anyone knows this story. Um, And I was running with a friend through the field of the elementary school next door, running for my life. And like I said, I think I said I was in eighth grade and just remember running. I couldn't even feel my heart beating or my legs pounding, but I was running. And, And then I remember cutting across Trinity's parking lot and running and running and running and then I just remember God sort of talking to me and saying, why why did you do what you just did and why are you running and why are you getting into all this chaos that you're starting to get yourself into, these storms? And I kept running and running and running and running and running and it, and it, um, it was the case that I had just vandalized the elementary school yep yours truly had vandalized the school and it wasn't an outdoor paint job like some people would prefer it was an interior decorating time and um, with the problem of adrenaline and and teenage fun we just started painting rooms and floors and walls with art paint and at the time in our juvenile state we were laughing at ourselves and causing a whole lot of damage and God was there because I heard this sound which I believe was uh, just a janitor and I was terrified for my life and I started running and ran and ran and ran and heard God and that running continued um I can safely say all the way up to the time when I walked into Trinity Covenant Church and met Calvin and, and a lot of Christian young adults and Peter and um, was just embraced uh, for, for who I was, not for my fallen nature, um, but just because God loved me. Um, and I realized I had to, to open up with that um, because I realized at that point that in, in eighth grade, that's when my storms in my life had begun, Um, and they would continue to rage until that I realized that I was trying to live my life at times for the Lord and then at other times for myself. I'm happy to share other times that God pulled me through, which I have nightmares today about, Um, but he did. But that is the most significant memory of this church. And it's kind of amazing that God was speaking so clearly to me. When God put all these faithful believers in my life, I was amazed to see that my faith finally strengthened, which resulted in less storms. It wasn't that my life became perfect, but my decisions, which led me to these chaotic places, magically got better. And it was because of God's presence through these people. And there's been many times, like I've said, that I've thanked God for them. Without, without them, I'm not exactly sure where I would be today, um, if, if even alive. So I'm very thankful for him and these people. I know Ryan shared last week where Jesus walked on water. And over the week, there was some chaos Phil Beatty, you need to pray for him because even though he's on sabbatical he's still calling and organizing things, so he's not resting as much as I believe he should, and I'll show up at his house and make him rest, but um, fortunately, I was prepared to speak on the story where Jesus calms the storm. Many of you know it. Most of us might be tempted to gloss over this story in about a minute's read, which I do every, every week with my sons. However, it's packed with some amazing news for us. Um, as I realized that there were children here, I would ask that uh, you would do me a huge favor. And when I read, just for the little ones who kept running up, I thought it was cute, but, um, and my sons, I love getting kids into the Bible. So when I say the word disciples, I want you all to say, ooh. Can we do that? Yep, just for the kids, not for me. When, when I say the wind, I want you to say whoosh, whoosh, like a big Nike whoosh. I didn't hear any whoosh. There you go, there you go. And when I say the waves. We need to have a ferocious crash. Can I hear a crash? Not for me again. For the little guys. Not for me. So let's let's read Mark four verse thirty-five. And it's a serious, but it's a fun reading. Um, that day, when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, "Is it good for the kids? Yeah. Let us go over to the other side." Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in a boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious wind came up, and the waves... It's not for me, it's for them. The waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion... The disciples woke him and they said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, That's good, quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to the disciples, why are you so afraid making that woo noise do you still have no faith they were terrified and they asked each other who is this even the wind and the waves obey him now we need to get serious for a minute um and unpack the story. Um, I love this story, and as I, as I thought through how I would introduce myself, I realized that that might be my life verse, that Jesus calmed the storm that was my life, and um, sometimes my humor and stuff may be chaotic, but God has given me this peace that I cannot explain. Um, the disciples and Jesus are on the Sea of Galilee. And what that means is that geographically, this location is surrounded by mountains, which have this beautiful, cool, dry air coming down, cranking down them if you've ever experienced a mountain breeze. And on the water, it's this muggy, muggy, warm, warm place, this warm environment You take those two types of winds and squalls come up. Wind kicks up. The waves kick up. So it's a literal storm of ocean chaos that the disciples and Jesus are facing. It brings clarity to our story and actually makes the Bible more real. It gives real life evidence of our faith being Real um, that that happened. The next thing that's amazing to me is that Jesus, Jesus who does all these miracles, is in need of sleep. He's on a cushion. The one fact here shows his humanity. Every one of us will need sleep tonight, and Jesus did too. When he went through what he goes through in his life, It was as a complete human being. We need to remember and must remember that Jesus was fully God and fully human, so he understood our pain, and he needed his rest. What does he have? A cushion. Some scholars point out that this, too, brings an attention to detail. That proves it's actually an event, not just a poem or some story that Jesus was asleep on the boat on a precise pillow. His rebuking of the storm is also significant. In the Old Testament, only God had the ability to control nature. Remember those storms when God plagues Pharaoh. Jesus is fully God and fully human. The ocean is stilled. The sea is stilled. In the Old Testament, sea is parted. Water comes out of dry land, but it's only in God's name. But here, Jesus does it by himself, showing that he is fully God and he fully human. He has the same power as God because he is of God. When he rebukes the storm, what's he say? He says, quiet. He says, be still. To the storms in my life, to the storms in your life, he can do the same. He says to this body of water, be still. Now, what is up with that? Why doesn't he say some big other command in the name of my father? Well, if you look back to Mark Chapter 1, 26, you can see he's using the same exact wording as if he was casting a demon out of a man. And this implies that there's a spiritual presence in the ocean, in that wave, in all the waves, even in the wind. And Jesus is in control of both nature and the demonic world. In our lives, we go through so many storms and challenges. We face caused by a few things, most of the time ourselves, very similar to my storms that was my childhood. If I sin and make the wrong decision, usually there's going to be a storm that I have to go through. Other times we find Storms are caused by the evil that other people do. And there is evil that people give into and they hurt us. We're sinned against, lied to, cheated on, stole from, overlooked. Maybe we have just a conflict with a close friend and storms erupt. Negativity, depression can come and that even bothers us to a healthy issue. It's, a, it's an issue of our health we have such a fast-paced lifestyle that we don't, even for, we don't even remember to take rest in Christ once a week. We don't even remember to take rest in him every day. It's go, 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 succeed. And we all know the results. We most likely, most of us could use a sabbatical. And the third time, when we see storms, um, they can be the, the spiritual issue, which is what I believe Jesus was facing. I don't think this is always the case, but I think that sometimes we need to call it what it is and realize that the devil is behind temptation, is behind all the fallen nature of everything we go through. And we need to turn to Christ to have that break from the storm. So what's, what do we do? How do we stay encouraged in storms? And, and I think I've said it, we turn to Jesus. We trust in him fully with our life. And then we love others. We live out Christ's love for others, even those sinners. If you like YouTube, you can check out Phil Robertson the Duck Dynasty Superstar. But check out his I Am Second video. Don't just go through all his uh, free episodes like I did last week to get a good laugh. Check out his I Am Second video. And in very clear articulation, he will tell you that when he first heard of the Lord, he was told to simply love God and love others. He said it was simple and I was amazed that both he and his wife claim that the most important thing in their life is not the success, it's not the fame. The most important thing that they always go back to is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. How do we have peace that surpasses understanding and get good sleep through storms in life? How do we get peace that gets us through a church transition time when chaos ensues or when all the other storms in life erupt. Well, we're not always supposed to sleep through these storms, but we are always supposed to have faith in Jesus. We know the first we know the Philippians verse, to cast our anxieties upon the Lord because he cares for us. We often overlook the second part of this verse in our American culture that we got to get rid of our anxiety because that's going to be a stumbling block for our success. The second part is that Jesus cares for you. When your spouse is tired or you have an argument, Jesus cares for you when you're boss overworks you, Jesus cares for you. When your friends are in conflict with one another or you, Jesus cares for you. And it's the absolutely most special thing that Jesus cares for you. It will always be the central point in in every church of, of Jesus Christ that Jesus cares for you, that he died for you. I recently had multiple friends encourage me with that text about casting anxiety upon the Lord. But then I realized the special thing wasn't that I would be able to have peace at night to sleep or succeed in a, in a potential job. It, it was that I was cared for. It wasn't so much that the situation could change or anything else, but that I was loved by Jesus. And it was something Phil Beatty told me years ago. And every other mature believer has told me that I'm cared for. He loved the disciples too, but they messed up. They coulda, shoulda, woulda done the right thing. And it makes me feel a little bit bad for them Sometimes, So you have the disciples, a group of former fishermen who knew the ocean, who knew the sea. They knew the danger they were in. If you can imagine this scene taking place in a, in a shipping town off the coast of Massachusetts, these Gloucester men with their Boston accents might have been saying, where's, where's uh, Jesus? Everybody's, everybody's got to be on deck. What, what's going on? They would have been screaming, I can't do that here. Where is he? He's sleeping? He's taking a nap? Uh-oh, just, just let Jesus take his nap. No, 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 no. They would have been freaking out. Their lives are in question. But they had this option of turning to Jesus. He was right there. They knew who Jesus was. They sat with him, saw him perform miracles, healing people. Can you imagine what it would have been like to sit down with Jesus, saying, Jesus, I'm a nobody. I'm a sinner. I'm an I'm a absolutely hated person. And then to have Jesus say, oh, don't worry. Here, let's have some tea, like Zacchaeus. Can you imagine what it would have been like for that woman at the well who everybody looked down, maybe spit upon, treated like trash? If you're here tonight and you're feeling guilty about your life, turn to Jesus because he absolutely loves you. This story uh, forces me to have grace with people who don't believe in God or who worship false gods. Rather than putting the pressure on atheists and other non-believers, this, this story puts the pressure on you and me. We can't get out of it. When we forget Jesus in the storms of life or even on a daily basis, we act the same way the disciples did right here, who by the way are acting no different than the Pharisees who are always a good target at any church you go to the disciples acting like the Pharisees saying, who is this man? And the reality is when we're forgetting that he's there and and questioning who is Jesus, we're no different than them. Dear friends of mine uh, recently faced insane trials. And, And as I checked in on them, I found them constantly encouraging me by their relationship to Jesus. One man said he wanted to love what God loved and hate what God hates. He said it took him one day at a time, but he always found Jesus. This particular brother went to live with the Lord shortly after that. We can fully trust him. Psalm 37, Uh, Verse one through seven says, do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong, but like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. It's simple, but it's hard, isn't it? when evil around us succeeds, when our media um, claims that they don't know what's happening in Iraq, but there's the potential that Christians are being killed in genocide by a group called ISIS. How do we trust in him when life is too hard to take? It says, delight yourself in him, regardless of what you go through. Wait on Jesus. Be still and wait on him. God tells us this command countless times. Do not worry is the next one, because it only leads to evil. Love others. Love others. That's hard. But spend time in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 which speaks about a love that's patient, that's kind, that holds no records of wrong, that endures all circumstances. And instead of asking somebody else what's up with them, ask God to give you that type of love for others. An even more convicting verse on love is Matthew five forty four. Jesus says to love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Did he really say that? See, in this life, it's easy to focus on when we're wronged. Oh, they just don't respect me. But God's will is that all men and women come to know him and his saving grace through Jesus, not through yours. God's reason for loving someone who has wronged you is that it may be your very act of loving kindness and grace that brings that person to Christ, which would be a pretty sweet thing to know and find out when you get to heaven that you brought all these people who were full of hate to forgiveness in God. Turn to Colossians, the verses on Christian living. I I was blessed to hear it at the Devalve wedding recently. Turn to the Bible, open it up, and God can help you calm storms or get through them. The Bible is full of men and women who trusted God in storms and or trials. Look at Job, who lost everything because the devil said, he doesn't really love you, God. The devil can do that. Yet Job remains faithful to God. Look to Hebrews 11 and find Abraham. Father Abraham, who we all know about, yet he tells half lies that his wife is his sister on countless occasions for his own protection, and somehow God keeps having grace with him. Look at Joseph, whose storm is brought on by his brothers who sell him into slavery And yet God turns the whole situation around. Look at Moses, who faces all sorts of storms, some by his own anger when he kicks a rock, and others when people of God make false idols. Look at David. Maybe, Maybe we shouldn't look at David, but he gets a bad rap. If David, Bathsheba, and Bathsheba's husband had a little bit of foresight, they could have avoided a major storm. He didn't have to look over certain houses where he knew there was a tub. Bathsheba didn't need to go in a tub that was on the roof of a house that was in sight of the king's palace, but that's all a different story. And yet, God still has grace on David we hear of David turning to God in Psalm 23 and other Psalms where he is just sorry for his behavior. He turns back to God. And amazingly, all these people were blessed by God when they turned back to him. If these people did it, so can you Because you have one thing different than these people. You have Jesus Christ. You can do all things. That Philippians verse that says you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. All things. We can't forget the story of Esther. For anybody who likes panicking about our society or country or the war, uh, there's a story of Esther when the Persian Empire gives a decree to slaughter all of God's people. Not, hey, make fun of them, kill them all. Yet these people keep turning to God. He overturns the situation. And these people, the Jewish people's hearts, are turned from gloom to joy. First Peter challenges us to keep a heavenly perspective that will not perish, spoil, or fade. And when we keep this focus on God, he will be with us. You will know his presence. In Isaiah 43, it says this, God spoke to his people. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, it will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, it will not burn you. The flames will not set you ablaze. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. when we think of the story of Jesus on the boat with disciples who are terrified for their lives, we need to remember that that's what Jesus was focused on, the God who would bring him through water, fire, and hell, unlike the disciples. And again, I feel bad for them. A friend of mine said, "Uh, you, you need to... You need to share on a verse that is more convicting. The more you preach, Kevin, you'll, you'll learn to, to really try to challenge people. And I realize that, uh, that this story challenges every one of us. So you got to look at the disciples and realize that they got the whole prayer and sleep thing a little bit backwards, You notice in our story that the disciples are freaking out today. In real life, they would have been screaming, what do we do? And where's Jesus? He's sleeping on the pillow. Later in the gospel narrative, the opposite happens. Jesus is up. He's up late at night. The night before he's about to die, his heel is struck by the serpent. Life, not only his, but life, all of life, is about to be tested. It's a time when the devil and all spiritual warfare are going to be put to the test by God. And Jesus stays up. He says, please take this cup from me. Please take this cup from me. Please take it from me. He's sweating blood It's so bad, and what are the disciples doing? They're sleeping, they're out of it. Um, That's the best way to put it, they just didn't realize what was going on. Later on, they do trust God, and they do turn back to Jesus. And one of them, the, the church is built upon his name, But the only reason we can stand here tonight with joy and freedom from the storms that we created and that were created and we were thrown into is because that night when, when Jesus' safety and, and security was in question, he kept on trusting his father. And the plan that they set in place from the very beginning was perfected. And even though he died, he rose and he lives eternally. When we trust in him, we do more than just ask God for safety and security. And to be honest, sometimes that's the last thing we will get. But when we trust in Jesus, when we put our lives in Jesus, we will have peace, we'll have eternal life with God. And we have the one and only solution there is. And I would just pray that if you are here tonight and do feel guilty, that that you know you don't have to leave through the doors carrying on to it. And if you want to carry on to it, just, just ask the Lord to be present as well. That would be my one request. And I believe that the Lord will show you how to live a life that is honoring to Him? Let's pray, Heavenly Father. I just I thank you for everyone here, uh, for the men, women, and, and children who are here, um, for my brothers and sisters who were so encouraging me, to me earlier in my life, and. Um, I just thank you that you were the most important thing to me and and saved my life from from hell. And and I just pray that this world would be blessed through your name. I pray that you would bless this church through your name. All the people who are here trying to serve you in their own efforts would, would make sure they turn to you in your name Lord, in your rest, in your faithfulness, I pray that you would be with each one here tonight. Um, Lord, bless my friends who are leading this worship and protect them. Uh, Bless my friend Phil who's trusting in you for his life and his family. And I just thank you, Lord.